0: Yeah, I've got a couple of things that um, I wanna share with you. And first of all, it's just a personal request uh, from Brad and I, our grandson Felix is going to be making his first journey to British Columbia in just over a week. And we're just trying to, um, you know, pimp out our house a little bit for the baby. um, And just so that his parents don't have to bring a moving van on the flight to get everything here. So, um, stuff we need, and we're hoping hoping we can just borrow, is um, if someone has a nursing pillow they're not using and or could not could be without for about three weeks. Also, um, if someone has a stroller for a, you know just a month old infant, um, if it is um, also like a baby carrier slash uh, car seat slash stroller even better Um, and then also if anyone has a bassinet a little baby bassinet that we could just put in the room there that would contain him and not um, require them to have him in the bed with them so if you um, if you have that or if you know someone who might that would be okay with loaning it out for a little bit Um, we would appreciate that. So I'll put my cell number in the chat once I'm finished my part here. Uh, Thanks for considering that. Um, The next thing that I have to share with you, which is um, something that uh, Morgan alluded to, was that this last week, uh, Karina and Sarah and myself did a little... um, home hunting for us as a congregation. Um, And we think we found a really great place and it's the Legacy Building at the Abbotsford um, Egg Rec Center. So that's basically at the corner of McClure Road and Trithui Way um, or Trithui Street. Mm, I don't know, Trithui and McClure. So there's a big uh, complex there, um, two huge fields. um, And right between the fields is this building that you're looking at. Uh, So on one side is the track and on the other side are um, the big uh, sports fields as well. Thanks for pointing out where I'm talking about. And right in the middle is this legacy building Um, upstairs is um, a nice space with lots of natural light. You can see the windows in there. Uh, It's kind of a really um, sweet shape in that it kind of feels a little bit like a hug. And um, so we'll have lots of natural light and we have um, uh, all the stuff for sound and our equipment. It also has um, a very decent sized uh, kitchen, which would allow us potentially to have uh, meals or um, more snacks or whatever on a Sunday morning. There's also space uh, down below for kids, Uh, two rooms, one that would be kind of for the older kids and another one that would be for uh, young babies. And then there's lots of outdoor space, which is what we're actually most excited about, because we recognize that going into the fall, um, it is our kids, the 12 and under that cannot be vaccinated yet, um, that are most uh, most at risk. And so we're hoping as much as possible to have them outside for church. And so there's a little covered area. Um, with tables there's also a playground close by and then of course there's the fields. Um, the really awesome thing about this um, is that it really settles in really well with our budget. It doesn't stretch it very much further than what we had at the school. So um, what they charge is hundred dollars an hour so if we need four hours on a Sunday that would convert to approximately $1,600 a month. Um, We do not have any place that we could leave our supplies and we would not be able to put our um, container on the property. So we will probably have to rent a storage unit unless there's something uh, that someone can offer that's close by and that would Max out at about $200 a month if we had a rental unit um, to keep our things. On the other hand, um, there are um, also like chairs and tables right on site. So we would not need to be storing uh, chairs, we could potentially sell those. So we're, we're actually quite excited about this location, it feels like it would work really well for us. As a congregation, the capacity uh, with restrictions at this point is um, just over 100, but without restrictions is 200, which feels like we're not shortchanging ourselves um, for potential growth, uh, but not having everyone be in some big cavernous place that we couldn't uh, possibly fill anytime soon. So... um, if you, if you want to go check it out, I mean, you probably can't go in the building, but if you want to get an idea of, of what it looks like and what it feels like in the area, uh, you can just drive over at any point, Trithui Street and McClure Road, um, and um, and you just pull into the first uh, driveway off of Trithui, north of McClure, and, and then head as far south as you can in the maze of parking um, And you will find the legacy building right in the middle there. Um, And uh, we hope you have a good look. And we're hoping to um, have that settled this week. So um, thanks for that. I am hoping that that gets you excited that we have somewhere to go. For those of you who may not have been here when we announced this, uh, when we were in the park, um, we can no longer meet in um, Claiborne School. Due to the fact that we um, are becoming an affirming church and um, and that was um, a process that was well done by specifically Karina and Sarah Um, but that's why we've been looking for something else. Um, And i'm going to be on here for a little while today i'm sorry probably almost longer than anyone else, but um, the next thing we're going to do is a loving kindness meditation and. um, I just I'm kind of hiving off of something that um, Sarah had suggested um, and kind of putting my own spin on it. But if you've felt stuck with your prayer life, um, please consider some different ways of praying where you aren't telling God what you want him to do, uh, but rather you are finding ways to bless others and ultimately yourself. A loving-kindness meditation and a compassion focus um, allows us to use different paths to a healthy prayer life. So to start right now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and try to sit as comfortably as possible. And I'm just going to take you through uh, a little bit of visualization um and and help you
1: to uh, do a little prayer so keeping your eyes closed think of a person close to you who loves you
0: very much it could be someone from the past or the present uh, someone still in life or who has passed it could be a spiritual teacher or guide
1: Imagine that person standing on your right side, sending you their love. That person is sending you wishes for your safety, for your well being, and happiness. Feel the warm wishes and love coming from that person towards you. Now bring to mind the same person or another person who
0: cherishes you deeply. Imagine that person standing on your left side, sending you wishes for your wellness,
1: for your health and happiness. Feel the kindness and warmth coming to you from that person. Now imagine that you are surrounded on all sides by all the people who love you and have loved you Picture all of your friends and loved ones surrounding you. They're standing, sending you wishes for your happiness, well-being, and health. Bask in the warm wishes and love coming from all sides. You are filled and overflowing with warmth and love. This is our cloud of witnesses. Let their love for you wash over you. Now let's focus on someone who is a challenge for you. Someone who is difficult for you to engage with. Picture standing next to them. Reach out and put your hand on their shoulder and bless them with whatever you believe is their greatest need. It might sound something like this. May you live with deep peace and purpose in your life. And now let's all focus on a particular group together. If you have a person in your life
0: that is indigenous, Let them represent the first nations
1: of our land. Reach out and put your hand on their shoulder and bless them. It might sound like this. May you know peace in the valley
0: of the shadow of death. And may you rise up with the love
1: of the creator. Finally. Let's bless ourselves with your hand on your heart or anywhere else you wish to bless. Let's give ourselves a blessing. It may sound something like this. May I know your sweet presence, Jesus. May your peace be my blanket through the night. And may I wear your joy through the day. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to be aware of all those who surround us and those who we surround. May all of your creation be filled with your love and peace today. Amen. And now we're going to move into um, communion. So if you have your...
0: uh, your bread and your wine, your cracker, your juice, uh, whatever you're choosing to participate with today. I'll just begin. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. All who come to me shall not hunger and all who believe in me shall not thirst. With Christians around the world and throughout the centuries, we gather around these symbols of bread and wine
1: simple elements that speak of nourishment and transformation. Let's pray. The God of love, we thank you that you are as
0: close to us as a breath, that your love is constant and unfailing.
1: We thank you for all that sustains life. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup.
0: Through this meal, make us the body of Christ, that
1: we may join with you in promoting the well-being of all creation. Amen. We remember on the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal together, Jesus took
0: the bread and gave thanks and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body which is broken for you.
1: Take and eat, and as often as you do, remember me. In the symbol of the broken bread, we participate in the life of Christ and dedicate ourselves to being his disciples. In the same way, he took the cup and after giving thanks,
0: he gave it to the, to the disciples saying, drink.
1: Drink this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of, of me. In the symbol of the cup, we participate in the new life Christ brings. Let's just close in prayer. We give thanks to you, God, true source of love, that you have refreshed us at your table. Strengthen our faith increase our love for one another, amen. Amen,
2: thank you Eden. Cool about the building, I think it's uh, exciting, terrifying and exciting at the same time. There's gonna be lots to do people, so get ready, sign up lists are coming. I am going to tell a quick story, and then I'm going to talk to Eric and Krista Wilson this morning about compassion and how that fits into their world. So uh, first, the story. A man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman who became pregnant and had a son. She saw there was something special about him, and she hid him. She hid him for three months. When she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a a little, pit, a little basket boat made of papyrus, waterproofed it with tar and pitch and placed the child in it. Then she set it afloat in the reeds at the edge of the Nile. The baby's older sister found herself a vantage point a little way off and watched to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter came down the Nile to bathe. Her maiden strolled on the bank. She saw the basket floating in the reeds and sent her maiden to get it. She opened it and saw the child, a baby crying her heart went out to him she said this must be one of the hebrew babies then his sister was before her do you want me to go and get a nursing mother from the hebrews so she can nurse the baby for you pharaoh's daughter said yes go and the girl went and called the child's mother pharaoh's daughter told her take this baby and nurse him for me i'll pay you (laughs) how fantastic to get paid to look after your own baby genius Um, The woman took the child and nursed him. After the child was weaned, she presented him to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her son. She named him Moses, which means pulled out, saying, I pulled him out of the water. So that's the story, it's Exodus 2, 1 to 10. We're talking about compassion this summer. And the work of compassion doesn't actually begin with work. Compassion is a posture. Compassion means to suffer with, and it's empathy rather than sympathy. We tend to think of Miriam as the hero of this story, but I think there's actually more than one hero. I think there is Jochebed, Moses's mother, and there is Pharaoh's daughter, who are very much also heroes in this story. But let's just talk about Miriam. Miriam had compassion (coughs) on her little brother. She hunched down in the reeds, that's really funny, (laughs) Phil and Elisa, first paid maternity leave in history. Right, that's great it's exactly what it was um so anyway she had compassion on her baby brother she hunched down in the reeds by the water's edge to watch what happened to bear witness to the tragedy that was taking place in her family where a baby boy had to be hidden in the reeds to survive she wanted to be with him maybe she even wanted to take his place I'm imagining a lot for her right there I have no idea what her motives were but I, I mean maybe her mom just said go watch I'll come back and feed the baby at lunchtime, but just go stand watch. I don't know what happened or what the story was, but um, I just have to guess at them. But she's a sister and I know what big sisters are like. She was a human, like I'm a human. Uh, When I was three or four, I actually tried to sell my brother. I put a sign in the window that said, brother for sale. He was annoying, he was loud. Um, He cried a lot and he got a lot of attention. And I was used to getting all the attention. I was the big sister. So I tried to sell him. Older siblings can struggle with that kind of thing. Um, But deep down, I would have fought you for him. Like if you'd have been attacking him, I'd have been there protecting him. I probably still would. I was and I am fierce. Miriam was fierce and her fierceness made her brave. She was helpless to do anything to save him from the system, but she could stand and be a witness. Miriam didn't know what would happen. She didn't know how this would end. And it's impossible to read it for us, to read it for the first time, because we know what happened, or we saw Prince of Egypt, which is like, ignore that movie. Like, try and scrub that one from your mind. But anyway, we know the story, we know what happened. We know that Moses lived. Miriam was a witness first. She stood and she watched, and I'm sure she had tears running down her face as she watched her mother place the basket in the reeds. But then there was this Egyptian woman who spotted the basket and heard her people pull it to the shore. And then Miriam jumped into action. Compassion is often jumping into action, but there's a little bit of watching that has to take place first. I imagine Miriam, who could have stayed hidden, jumping in the water and wading over to Pharaoh's daughter. Seeing the bravery of the Egyptian princess who would go against her father's commands to rescue the baby boy, Miriam boldly offered to go get her help. These two, Miriam and the Egyptian princess, are now in cahoots to rescue this small child. Miriam runs to get her mother. And the Egyptian woman is standing up to her father. Like she's Pharaoh's daughter. She's standing up to her father saying, kill all the baby boys. Like that's no small feat. Like that makes her a hero in the story in my mind. She risked a lot. And then there's Jochebed, the mother who hid her son in the reeds. She put him in a waterproof basket so he wouldn't drown. Perhaps she put him in the reeds because it was noisier down there with hippos, crocodiles, birds, all the other wildlife. Maybe it was just safer for a baby who would cry to be down by the water so where nobody would hear him. Maybe she would sneak back down there and feed him. She risked a lot, but she'd already risked everything in the past three months, keeping him hidden at home. The Egyptian order was to kill the baby boys. Miriam watched from a distance, guarding her baby brother, avoiding detection herself so she might not draw attention to him. Miriam was brave, approaching the Egyptian princess. She stood up for Moses with her quick thinking, and she put herself in danger as she extended her protection to him. These three people jumped into action, but they weren't sudden actions. Jochebed had three months up to this point, deciding how to keep her son alive. And maybe she'd done it before. I was thinking, was Aaron an older brother or a younger brother? And I looked up as he was older. Like Aaron was three years older than Moses. So she'd done this before. I don't know. I mean, maybe the time thing meant that it, the act of you have to kill baby boys came into being after Aaron before Moses, but maybe she'd already done it. Maybe she'd already protected Aaron. Maybe this was her method. Maybe this was her way of doing it, but we just know about it because Moses is the important one in the story. Who knows? Miriam crouched in the reeds and who knows for how long to defend her baby brother. I mean, the story goes, you know, she was hiding in the reeds, watching the baby was in the reeds and then the Egyptian princess came. We don't know if that happened the same day that Jochebed put the baby in the water. Maybe it did, but maybe it was a week later. Maybe they've been sneaking down and feeding the baby this whole time in between. We don't know. Like we get these little short stories. We don't know how they, how they, like this is 10 verses long. We don't know how that whole thing expands, how that's grown. And the Egyptian princess, she actually lived in the system. She saw the injustice and we don't know where she stood on that. She might've opposed her father the whole time, but maybe her heart was moved in that moment when she saw the baby. This is about issues of injustice. This is about issues of harm being done. This is about systems that are about harm and not healing and standing up to them. And it's another layer. Another layer of this is it's a foreshadowing of Jesus. When I was chatting with the kids about this earlier, I was like, do you know another baby that had to go to Egypt to stay safe? I was like giving them clues. So there was, a, there was a mom and a dad, and they'd had this baby, and the baby had been visited by shepherds. They're like, Jesus! Like, yes, Jesus. Jesus had gone to Egypt, and he'd been rescued by his parents and taken there to keep him safe, to keep him alive. And then this is a story of redemption that starts with Moses and ends with Jesus. So I was going to keep it really short this morning, and that's about as much as I've got. That This is a story about bravery. It's a story about the three women whose stood in their places and did their things. So before we jump into action as people, it can be helpful to take a moment like they did and reflect. There is a space that happens between feeling, like I feel you're hurt, and acting. I do something to help ease your hurt. Sometimes this space is super short and we jump into action quickly. Sometimes this space is bigger and we make a more thoughtful plan on how we respond. And what we do with that space between seeing it and jumping in has a big impact on how we act with compassion. That's where compassion happens, is in that little gap. What am I going to do? And I'm now going to introduce Eric and Krista Wilson. You probably know them, but if you don't, they're lovely. And there they are. Um, And they've been part of our church since the before times. How long have you guys been part of the bridge?
3: Seven seven
2: years eight years eight wow okay cool so before times before times and then some
4: yeah.
2: um, and they have four delightful children uh, and they are lovely people and they can speak for themselves so I won't tell you anything more so um uh Eric and Krista I don't know who of you who of you wants to answer these questions or whether you're just going to tra- tag off or whatever but we'll go through some of them so um why don't you tell us what it is that you do and where compassion is in that role.
3: So we both work in frontline compassion care jobs. I'm a social worker and a counsellor with Young Families, Youth Unlimited, in Surrey, British Columbia. Uh,
4: I'm an RCMP officer and I did general duty for 10 years in Surrey as well. Now I'm working in Chilliwack teaching. Um we find compassion is really required uh, for us because we're dealing with people that are often having the worst days of their lives. And that's not always the easiest thing to do, because you're seeing people often at their worst when they're dealing with their worst. Uh, for me, uh I find it makes a big difference just to treat people. As people not, not see them for what they've been doing. Um, I'm not going to treat everyone the same. I'm going to respect the situation that I'm dealing with. Um, but I'm going to look at everyone as a person that God made and, and deal with them according to that. So. Yeah. You must, you, know.
2: you must see people at there like, Deepest moments of like who knows what, like you never see anybody in just a, hey how's it going kind of a thing. You're it's always a a moment of crisis or a moment of
4: yeah. I mean always always is a strong word. That's uh, yeah. I I mean some people get focused on that kind of stuff, I guess, but I deal with a lot of normal people too in between and some there's most of our job is still dealing with normal things that that happen, and the police need to get involved in a minor way kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah there's there's a lot of people whether it's people dying or um choosing to to break the law in a major way that's that needs to be dealt with accordingly kind of thing mm-hmm. so
2: mm-hmm. cool and um, so uh Christa, what is what is young families um what is their Story. What do they? What do they do? What do you do with them?
3: Yeah. Um, so my work as a counselor with teen moms includes that includes frontline help and urgent care, mostly personal development care and support involved surrounding them. Um, we also have, uh, I would say, we also have le- levels of systemic change um, mission in our heart and passion. Um, in the sense of advocating in the community, we rely on the support of the community and partner with the community. And so speaking and advocating for the young teen moms that we are in relationship with and that we pour, pour into. Um, our compa- When I think about compassion services of like what we offer as being an organization that walks alongside teen parents that choose to raise their kids that choose to say, I'm going to raise this baby. They're choosing life. Um, And so Mm -hmm. we want to come alongside and celebrate that life. And because we believe that they can be the best parents that they possibly can be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as a staff and volunteer team, we come and surround them and um, try to help to give them the best tools that they um, that they can have. Um, so compassion services in our organization, if I think about our compassion care, that the number one thing that's at the heart and soul of our organization is long- term caring, compassionate, supportive, committed relationships with these young team moms. It's all the programs that we create um, are designed with the goal of creating opportunities for long- term caring, supportive, connected, of uh, relationships that that surround these young families. Uh, our volunteers and staff have been with, some of the volunteers and staff that we have have been with us for five, 10, 15 years. And so we have moms that have come in the door at 12 years old, pregnant, and not knowing what the next step is, to moms that are still coming to our annual Christmas party at 35 years old, even though they've aged out of our regular programs, they come because they call this their family.
1: Right, so
3: yeah it's a it's totally a place of belonging so you see the facebook feed posts after the christmas party like thank you to my young family's family for for the amazing christmas turkey dinner and for welcoming us again
2: that's so, cool. that's yeah. awesome that you can do that and be like a long-term story in somebody's life that it's not like you age out of the program you're done See ya. that's cool yeah yeah
3: and the heart of it is just that like we There's research that has just recently come out. You can talk to me because I can keep talking about it forever. You can talk to me (laughs) after about it, but that long-term care and connected relationships literally transforms the lives of a young person or a young mom. So us being able to think to be able to be involved in someone's life that doesn't have, doesn't have anybody like a young, imagine a mom young with a baby who has no support. They've experienced trauma, abuse, addiction, to have a healthy relatively healthy adult care and invest in their life it literally changes the trajectory of their life
2: and and, and then not only their life um, but the child too because mm-hmm. yeah. then and so you're breaking trusting, generational
3: cycles yeah. by actually being in a caring having that caring connected community around them um, that many of them would not otherwise have had
2: that's huge yes Cool. I'm just, you know, that whole thing about, you know, trust is established by the age of two. So if you can help a a young parent with a pre two year old establish trust and they're, you know, they're grounded and they're secure within that period of time themselves, then that sets them up for trust in the rest of their lives. I mean, that's. that's Yeah, yes, totally. Awesome um so what kind of uh can i can i transition to self-compassion for you guys how do you look after yourselves in the middle of all that like you know eric with police and uh and krista so go for it yeah um
4: one of the biggest things for us i'll just answer this for both of us because they're kind of the same when we when we looked at it but uh not taking work home with us as much as we can obviously it's not doesn't work perfectly but uh, it's a little easier for me than for Chris, who's getting calls in the evenings on weekends about things that are going on when I'm not at work, I'm not getting called about anything. Um, so that's essential to, to get some separation. Um, and then a lot of regular things that a lot of people neglect that we often struggle with, but try is exercise, uh, counseling, sleeping well, eating well, make a big difference. Um, and for us spending a lot of time with our kids helps keep us grounded into Mm -hmm. the important things in life it's as soon as i'm away from them for a bit it's easy to get sidetracked with things you feel like they might be important and then you spend some time with a five-year-old and you realize what is actually important in life kind of thing um as well as investing in adult relationships to to keep little bit of that separation and that unbiased view outside of our work friends as well Mm -hmm. and yeah
3: my team my staff team um at young families is really incredible so for me processing in a confidential space and like coming up with a really good care plan for moms that are really um really heavy on my heart at different times is is integral and so that has been incredible to have a staff team that like we really come around side each other and make sure that we are doing the things we need to do to take care of ourselves and um engaging in self-compassion of okay you have to turn your phone off for the night and the weekend because once someone else is taking a shift so that's incredible as well
2: that's that's very cool that's good to have a team that you can do that with that's awesome um so how can we come alongside you to support you either with the work you do or you personally? How can we as a church family come alongside you?
3: Yeah, um, Young Families is always looking for volunteers. We don't have enough people to be able to create those long-term caring, connected relationships um, that really envelop these, these young teen moms and dads. Um, so yeah, volunteering uh, is, and when you're in a place that you can commit to um, being there for for the longer term. Sometimes we don't know what that looks like, but that's huge. Um, Young families also relies on the financial support, totally relies on the financial support of the community. So financially supporting um, individual staff who have to raise their own salary, but also we raise um, money for all of our programs that we run all together. And then thinking about policing um being a voice that supports policing in our community um is huge especially in this day and age that we're in right now um so a a thank you to a police officer um, for all that they do in our community going to some of the hardest places um, at the hardest moments of people's lives and sometimes dealing with the crappiest moments of people's lives that might not even be the hardest moments but they're actually willing to go there and do that work um so a thank you i think um goes a huge way so find a police officer this week to say thank you for all the hard work you do (laughs) that's my uh as
2: as a police officer's (laughs) wife like go thank a police officer that's (laughs) what i am That's a good it's a good place to start that's cool yeah gratitude goes a long way Um, And let's just uh, wrap up with what are some unhelpful stereotypes or prejudices that people um, uh, have that you've encountered in your job or that get in the way of compassion?
4: Um, So it's a lot of police officers are, I mean, anybody that has a position of authority is put on a bit of a pedestal and it's not always easy to remember that police and judges and firemen and doctors, and they're, they're all humans, just like everybody else. And, and we're not any, any different. Yeah, maybe we have a different personality and different training, and um, but we're not perfect. We need to be at a higher standard, and that's understandable with the, the authority and the action that we can take and affect people's lives that, that needs to be there. Um, and we need to continue to develop ourselves to change for the better. Um, but it also has to, people have to remember that we're just, we're just people too, just like, just like you and just like you'll make mistakes, we'll make mistakes as well.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, and, uh, it's, it's a little hard the last little bit with, um, I mean, in the states, it's worse. But the uh, the concepts of defunding the police and everything, which some of the concepts I don't necessarily disagree with, um, but most of it is just it's not it's not doable. Um, and if 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 people would realize that you can be frustrated with the police, but we're we're just dealing with with the symptoms of problems in in society like mm-hmm. we're not like we are not the core of of these problems um and it's it's up to society as a whole communities and families to try and find these these problems and these issues and deal with them uh and then move forward from there it's i think in a kind of global culture that we have uh our more knit families and tighter knit communities as we move farther and farther away from the people that we spend time with are disappearing and a lot of that support structure is gone yeah. so then who has to step in it's the police and the social workers and the healthcare system um, that that needs to to fill that gap where families and neighbors and communities would be would be involved before so um yeah i don't know if that makes sense but yeah
2: that, that makes sense i think the whole um defund the police thing is a, an over oversimplification of a very complex issue
4: mm-hmm.
2: it's um yeah it's complicated but i think it's that whole um gap between seeing something and jumping in it's that moment of thinking it's so you know to pray for you guys for that moment of seeing and having to respond as that moment of, you know, mercy in the middle, I guess, and just seeing what God has for you in that middle bit. Yeah, that's cool. Krista, for you?
3: Um, Just thinking about the stereotypes on young moms, um, the stories that I've heard of what uh, teen moms have experienced in um, our communities um, when they have chosen life, and raising these precious babies and um the comments and harassment that they experience just makes tears well up in my eyes even as I'm talking right now um mm-hmm. busing being yelled at on the bus because their kid is crying and screaming and like no one would have dreamed to yell like that at a at, you know a 35 plus mom on a bus but because you're but because you're 15, we think that we can do that. It's just heartbreaking. Um, and so um, continuing to come alongside and be that intervene when we see, when we see that happening in the community to like back, back these moms up to, and to just continue to be um, that voice and that advocate for these young girls who really, some of them are kids, still kids themselves, raising kids, um, but who have chosen? I'm. I want to be the best parent that I possibly can be to this child, and um, giving them the support and the resources in the community around them to actually um, become a village that really we know we need to raise um, raise kids and um, support them in their bravery in continuing to care for their little ones.
2: Yeah. Cool sweet well i come to the end of the list of my questions but did you have anything else you want to put in there no okay yeah well i mean we'll see if anybody else has any other questions but i'd love to pray for you guys before we open up for the um for the big group um so uh, god i thank you for eric and Krista. i thank you for the work that they do i thank you for the heart that you've put in them to love people in their uh in their moments of um trauma or hard decision or life and following through god i pray that you would equip them you would remind them to keep looking after themselves that you would give them what they need that you would uh, bring them back to joy with their own children when they get to when they get to be with them and uh, that you would just um, strengthen them for for what you've given them to do and i thank you for them and who they are as part of us pray that you bless them amen